Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam, and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? I am Patrick Allen, and welcome to the relaunch of the Arrowhead Addicts podcast. I'm here with Matt Verderam, uh, the Chiefs won. We're going to get to all that very, very uh, exciting and frustrating game. But uh, we just really want to start since uh, introductions seem to be in order here. Um, you know, who, who the hell are we and what the hell are we doing here? Matt Verderam. So I have been a fan sided since 2015. I came over from SB Nation where I was on Arrowhead Pride for a while, and then I ran Arrowhead Attic for about two and a half years. And now I cover the NFL as a reporter and editor here at fansided.com, cover the whole league. But I grew up a Chiefs fan. Even though I grew up in New York, my old man kind of indoctrinated me when I was about five. And it was all misery until last year. So that was nice. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to be doing this and kind of, you know, lean into really what got me into football in the first place. And that's Chiefs. So I'm excited to be on the podcast. I'm looking forward to doing it. Well, I'm sure glad that they didn't uh, spoil our first episode here. Uh, it's not the first episode of this podcast, but it's the, it's the first episode with us. Uh, I'm Patrick Allen. Uh, I ran Arrowhead Addict in 2009, uh, started there, been with Fansided since the Stone Age, uh, moved on after a little while, and Fansided's VP of content, uh, working on some podcast stuff for us now as well. Uh, I came over, uh, you know, I was, I was growing up and they, and the Browns moved. I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I, 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 because I'm sick, I do still pull for the Browns, consider them my second team. Um, just, you know, glutton for punishment. But, uh, I came over with Joe Montana. I was always a big Joe Montana fan. Uh, just, uh, saw him got injured when he was with the 49ers, felt bad when they didn't want to start him and, uh, just followed him to the chiefs and, uh, stuck with them through the bad times. So last year was a really nice payoff. Uh, so we're going to be doing this podcast for you guys a, a couple times a week. We still need to 
nail down our midweek uh, cadence here. So probably around Wednesday or Thursday, we'll uh, wrap up injuries for you and tee up the next game. We've got the Ravens next week. It's going to be a really tough game for the Chiefs. If they play like they played tonight, they're not going to win. But we'll get to all that. Uh, and this podcast, you can find it everywhere. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on Google. It's on Stitcher. We're hosted on Omni Studio. You can check us out there. We really need your support, and that support comes uh, not in the form of money, although I'm sure uh, neither of us will turn you down if you want to send us a check. Uh, we just need reviews. We need you to go to Apple Podcasts, support this podcast, leave us five-star reviews. If you got negative things to say, uh, you know, just don't leave a review. If you got good things to say, that's what we're looking for. Leave us a, a written five-star review on Apple. It really helps, and uh, you can even leave us questions there. I'll get to that a little bit later in the podcast. All right, let's get into this game, uh, Vertoram. Chiefs 23, Chargers 20, really wasn't looking good there for a while, but if you've been following this team, you know that they're never out of the game until the clock hits zero. Uh, I get, we got to start with, we're going to get to the good and the bad, but let's, let's start with Harrison Bucker. Drills a 50, his second 58-yard field goal of the game. Can you just tell me, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous you were about that? Like an 8. Normally, I would be like an, an 80 because 58 yards is ridiculous. But the first one that he hit, he hit it so down the middle and with so much extra leg. I knew he had the distance. I knew the, the kick was going to be playing. My only concern really in terms of, of that was it was just going to get blocked because when you kick a ball from that distance, it's got to be a lower trajectory. We saw them get a kick blocked on the, on the extra point attempt when they had to redo that early in the game because of the, the penalty. So my biggest concern was just if if he could get it over the line and then you knew he had the distance, but it was ridiculous to watch me. He hits the 53 yarder. Allegretti gets called for a false start. It's a good call. They move it back. He hits a 58 yarder. It doesn't count because the Chargers called timeout. And then he hits another one. And like all, and like the third one, you figured his leg might be tired. Nope. Would have been good from 65 yards. So like he was the MVP of the game. It's rare that you see a kicker get carried off a field. Uh, he, he deserved it. He was everything they needed him to be. It's why they gave him a five-year extension last year. Uh, and, and let's be real. I mean, Mahomes played better as the game went on. We'll get to all that. But Butker is the biggest reason they're 2-0 in, in terms of winning today. I mean, he was, he was just unbelievable. Yeah, he, he certainly is. I, I'll tell you, that second kick uh, the, the, where they called the timeout was a little shaky. Uh, but he still made it through. I mean – it was, uh, it kind of looked like it was, uh, I only saw it once, but it looked like it was kind of going sideways a little bit, not, didn't hit it how he wanted. I mean, the kid's got a monster leg, and you're right, that would have been good from 65. The, the earlier one would have been good from 65 as well, I think. Uh, they both look great from, from under the goalposts, uh, and just absolutely ice water in his veins. Absolutely incredible. How many kickers do you think of the NFL right now could do what Harrison Butker did tonight? Him and Justin Tucker. I think those are the two best kickers in the league. Tucker, you have to give it. I mean, Tucker's, to me, a, a Hall of Fame kicker. Um, but Butker got paid again. Like they paid him for a reason. And Dave Tobe in, in training camp talked about, hey, we, we really believe that he'd kick a 61-yard field goal if the conditions are right, and we would not hesitate to do it. Well, they backed it up today. It wasn't 61, but it, it was 58. And I, I guarantee after that showing, uh, they will absolutely try a 61-yard field goal if they need to. Now, it takes nothing away, of course, from his kicks. They also had perfect conditions. They're inside. There's no wind, of course. You know, if you have to kick a 58-yarder 
That is the way to do it. Now, historically speaking, that's about a 20% kick, even for guys with that kind of a leg. So for him to hit really four of them in that, you know, in that spot of over 50, two of them don't count because of the penalty and the timeout, but he was great. Um, I, I wondered very quickly when they had that fourth and short there in overtime, if they would try to go for it and get a little closer. But whether or not Buckert ended up hitting it, I agreed with Andy. At that point, look, you, you've seen him kick it. You know he's got the leg. W- why screw around? You've got, you've got beat up up front all game long. Just kick it. Put it on his foot. And they did, and, and they walk out to him. Yeah, big-time confidence in Andy uh, had in Bucker on that kick. Uh, Andy was hot on that the, the false start penalty. Not happy. Uh, he does not lose his cool on the sideline very often, but I think uh, that you know was a frustrating game. They, they clawed their way back into it, and it very well could have cost them. Well, you know, it's funny. I texted my father after the game, uh, who, again, is a diehard Chief fan. I said, you know, Nick Allegretti's the happiest person on the field because – if they miss that field goal and the Chargers win the game, <laughs> Nick Gallagretti might be looking for work. Like, that's the kind of thing. <laughs> if you're right. a backup lineman, second-year kid, uh, that can't happen. And, and so they get, they get a reprieve. He gets a huge reprieve. Yeah, he's still going to hear about it, but you kind of move on a lot quicker. They won the game. So um, like it, was, it was a mark of a good team in the sense they couldn't have played worse for most of that game, and they still won. And that and the Chargers, look, they're, they're not a great team. The Chargers have talent on that team. Like, I saw so many people all week talk about, oh, you know, nine-point spread, the Chiefs will cover it. I, I predicted in our picks on Thursday on fan side, I thought the Chiefs would win. I picked them by seven. I think they'd cover it. The Chargers have real guys between Bosa and Tillery and Ingram up front, Murray and Perriman on the, on the middle level. And then all those corners on the back end. I mean, I know they're without Derwin James, but my God, Casey Hayward, Desmond King, Chris Harris, they're a problem. They really are. Like, I, I think they're the toughest team in the division outside Kansas City. And they showed why today. And the Chiefs didn't play well. They went on the road and they still won. Give them, give them a lot of props. Yeah, uh, really uh, just, a, <laughs> just a crazy game. Absolutely crazy. And I think that leads into kind of our next topic here, and that is – the Chiefs in their slow starts. Um, you know, this it, uh, is this becoming a pattern, Verderam, with these guys? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a pattern. I mean, you go back the last six games, including the playoffs, and this has happened every single game. I mean, obviously to varying degrees, but it has happened. Um, I, I think it's a concern. I, I'm not, like, sounding the alarm on it because they've also won all those games. Um, and, you know, some of those games were in the Super Bowl and everything else is my – my computer goes off. I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a concern. I think it's a realistic concern. I don't think that it's something to go crazy about. I think by and large, uh, you know, they, they've gotten the job done. I mean, look, they, they've won 11 in a row now, okay, which is the longest streak in franchise history. It's the longest current streak in the NFL. Of course, one of those games is a Super Bowl. But yeah, I mean, if, look, if they, if they put themselves in a hole on Monday night, they're going to lose. Baltimore is good enough, unlike a lot of these teams they've played, where they're just they're going to have a tough time digging out of that hole because Baltimore is really good on both sides of the football. The Chiefs are going to have to come out and they're going to have to play a full 60 minutes to win that game. Um, but ultimately, like today, I didn't even look at it as a slow start. They were terrible for three quarters. I mean, I just thought it was a game. And look, we're all human. It happens. You don't have your best day at work every day. Like they, they look sluggish. They looked a little lackadaisical. The tackling was bad. 
Defensively, it's never an excuse, but they had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. I mean, Clark didn't play a second half of the game. They they are without Pinnell, who now comes back for week three. His suspension's over, but they missed him. Uh, you know, they, they've been without Breland, who's out for two more games, suspension. Ward, who's been out with a broken hand since the first half of the first game. Uh, you know, Hitchens got hurt briefly. Wilson got hurt briefly. That's a lot of guys, especially when you had no training camp and you're, you're really trying to get your bearings. So it wasn't pretty. It was, it was, in fact, downright awful for parts of the game, but they, they managed to win. They're 2-0, and they got a division road win. Yeah, it, it, it reminded me a lot of the Colts game from last year. Uh, the, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, not the Colts game, the, the, the Lions game, where okay. you know they, they didn't play well, defense wasn't very good. You kind of feel like they should have lost. How much of this performance, at least the, the slow starter, the uh, you know, very slow start, did you – do you pin on the fact that they didn't know Justin Herbert was going to start, that they, that they had game plan for Tyrod Taylor? Uh, do you think that, that we would have seen a similar uh, outcome if Taylor was under center? Yeah, I kind of do. I don't really think that – I like, I'm not going to say I had no impact because, yeah, you're planning for one guy, all of a sudden Justin Herbert shows up and you're kind of thrown by it. But I thought their biggest problem defensively, they just couldn't tackle. I mean, there were so many times where they'd have a guy wrapped up for a gain of two, a gain of three, and it would turn it to eight yards, or they'd blow coverage. I mean, Hunter Henry and Eckler early in the game were just killing them. They couldn't cover. Um, you know, I'm a big Juan Thornhill guy, but let's be honest. I mean, the first half of the game, he must have missed a half dozen tackles. He couldn't tackle anybody. So, you know, part of it was just they weren't finishing defensively, which is something that they've typically been pretty good at. I mean, they, they usually really – last year they were a very good tackling team. They were one of the top ten in the league in terms of, of missed tackles. You know, and, and they, they've not continued that. Uh, I expect that that will get better as the year goes on and, and they have more reps and they have more practice at it, but it has been a concern. Man, I really thought the biggest problem for them, though, flat out, was just they, they couldn't block. I mean, Mahomes, Mahomes is the best player on earth and at one point it was 9 of 20 for 60 yards. It was brutal. They, they couldn't get a pass to a receiver. He was constantly throwing early because they, 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 they couldn't hold up for two seconds, literally. Did that game change the same way the Super Bowl changed? Once the Chargers got tired and they couldn't get to him, that game ended. The Chiefs moved up. The Chiefs were the one that came in regulation. They, they could have stopped taking holding penalties. Right. I mean, really, yeah. let's, let's be honest. That was killing them. If they didn't take holding penalties in a, a two-minute drill, they would have won the game outright. Yeah, I worried maybe the refs had uh, <laughs> some money on the game there, but I think they were good. They were good penalties, uh, just they frustrating. Were. And we're going to get to the line, uh, but let's start with Mahomes. Uh, you know, I, honestly, and I know he had the picks in the Super Bowl, but I felt like this was a worse performance from him through yes. the first three quarters than, than he had in the Super Bowl, which to that point I thought was the worst performance of his career. Uh, to that point, he won. Uh, but so, you know, Mahomes was averaging under five yards per completion before the bomb to Hill. Yep. How much of it was Mahomes? There were definitely some shaky throws from him. Uh, he looked frustrated. How much of it was Mahomes? How much do you pin on the char- on the line or was it just the Chargers defense? Well, I really a little bit on Mahomes, I guess, but mostly on just the fact that they couldn't block and give the Chargers credit. You know, I think sometimes when you're a fan of a team, you, you tend not to look at the, the other team did and you look at your own team and you assign blame and credit. Yes, the Chiefs had to be better at blocking. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz, I'd argue, had the worst game of his entire career as Chiefs. It couldn't block. I mean, Bosa was just living in the backfield. And my God, Jerry Tillery looked like Aaron Donald. It was unbelievable. I mean, Jerry Tillery was a former first-round pick last year at Notre Dame. Did not do much last season. Played very well against Cincinnati. 
played even better against Kansas City. He was a bull inside. They couldn't deal with him. They moved him all over the place. If Tillery's first two games are any indication where he's going, they're going to have a really good interior pass rusher. Uh, but on the Chiefs side of things, look, I was surprised at some point Andy didn't leave in a back or a tight end to help. I mean, it's at some juncture, it doesn't matter what your play calls are if your quarterback's getting killed. And they they could not get a rush off. And I, like I said earlier, I really thought the game changed on the Chiefs' drive to tie it at 17. I noticed a few different times, and they cut the Bosa, they cut the Ingram, they were, they were asking out of place to get off to the sideline. At one point in the fourth quarter, there was a shot of Bosa during a timeout on one knee. That was ultimately, in my eyes, when the game changed, and they just simply couldn't get to him because if you don't get to him, you're dead. I don't care what scheme you play, who you have playing it. So I blame mostly the, the line not protecting and then give the Chargers a lot of credit. They just did a really nice job of getting home without blitzing, and that is how you stop any great offense. You get pressure with four. Chargers did that all game. Well, they did it for about 50 minutes, and then everything else happened, and the Chiefs won. Yeah, and we're going to get to the running game in a little bit too, but let, let leave the backs aside. Mahomes did add 54 yards on the ground. Uh, he had a, a, a few key scrambles for first downs, kept these drives alive, and obviously his arm uh, and his intellect are one thing, but, I mean, it just is it, it's such an X factor in his game that he's able to stand back there and move around and run when he needs to. Is it, is it possible for a team to rein that in completely? It was a big factor in the playoffs last year. He made a couple key runs in the Super Bowl. Can you do it, or do you leave yourself just so vulnerable that he'll just carve you up? It's hard because if, you got, if you're going to spy him, that's one less guy that can cover everybody else. And I think you're willing to let him run. I think you have to be. You know, it, It's so difficult with him. And he's funny because he's not like overly fast, but he's just he's kind of elusive. He's he's a weird runner. Like he's not like yeah. you, you don't think of Lamar Jackson when you watch Patrick Mahomes run by any stretch, but he gets the job done. I thought the most underrated player of the game was third and twenty, late in the game, and he takes off up the middle of the field and gets twenty one. Like it was just he it was almost Wide like in his up. brain. Yeah. I mean, right it was right in that spot. It was like he calibrated, okay, I, I need I need twenty. I can get right to the sticks. I'm going to make a move, run the guy over, get an extra yard. And he did so. Uh, you know, people will, will poo-poo it and say, well, you know, he, he, he doesn't need to be leading the team in rushing and whatnot. Look, okay, yeah, you'd rather have Clyde Edwards and Lair leading the team in rushing. Um, but if your quarterback and had 54 yards on the ground, like, that's great. And he did that. So like, I, I thought I thought he was brilliant as the game wore on. I mean, that throw to Hill is one of the best throws you'll ever see. That was unbelievable. I mean, he rolled out and threw 54 yards on a dime. I mean, they got, you know, Harris did had you, good did, coverage. Did you think that was the design? Because it seemed like he rolled out right away. Was it in the, the play design for him to roll out like that? I'd have to see it again, but I, you know, I, I thought it kind of was. I mean, it, just the way he, he played it. Now, maybe he, maybe it wasn't, and he just looked at the, the way the Chargers were lined up and felt like he could flush out that way and kind of make the throw more of a straight line. That's possible too. Um, but he, Look, that was, I mean, that was a phenomenal throw. That's the kind of a throw with him that I don't know there's anybody else in the league that can make that throw. Maybe Rodgers. I mean, that's a 54-yard throw. And it wasn't as though, you know, Hill had five yards of room on Harris. That ball had to be perfect. And it was. And, and then, honestly, the two-point conversion throw was almost as ridiculous. Throw like sideways between three guys. Hardman made a great catch. And it really got, the, got them going for the first time, really, all afternoon. 
Yeah, that was a very underrated play. The uh, the two point conversion. I thought he was going to run out of room. It's he and you know this. We saw him do this a couple of times against uh, the the Texans last year in the playoffs, where he rolls out there in in the red zone and just makes some ridiculous. Like everybody thinks he's going somewhere else, and then uh, the man's a magician. Absolutely incredible. The throw to Hill it was a great catch by Hill too. Uh, you know, he it wasn't 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 an easy one, and he managed to hold on to it. Didn't bobble it. And uh, and the Chargers not touching him, they kind of let up for a second, and he rolls right into the end zone. The funny thing is Hill did not have one catch in the first half of the game and finished with 99 yards and a touchdown. Like, that to me is what makes them so incredibly hard to beat. They can play games like today where they didn't play well. They were awful by their standards. For three quarters of that game, it was, it was an abomination. And then they basically showed up for 15 minutes and they won. That was it. I mean, listen, there are always underrated things that happen in games. The two-point conversion to me was one. Um, I would I would point, you know, we'll talk about it a little later, but Lajarius Sneed's pick I thought was the turning point of the entire game. Uh, you know, and then, look, they didn't get the ball to start overtime. They had to make a stop, and they immediately did it. They three and outed the Chargers, and I thought it was key that not only did they stop them, of course, but they three and outed them because the Chargers had just been on the field for a long drive, and – the Chargers and win the toss. If the Char- even if even if Los Angeles doesn't score, but they move the ball, let's say for four minutes, and they have to punt from midfield, that didn't happen. They had to come right back out on the field, and so you don't get that respite that they that they would have gotten had even they picked up a few first downs. It makes a big difference. And hey, give the Chargers defense credit; they did stop Kansas City at about the forty yard line. Unfortunately for them, it's just Butker had the game of his life and and made the field goals that he needed to make. Yeah, I thought the Chargers went a little too uh, conservative there. You know, they came out, two runs were pretty much right up the middle. Credit the Chiefs, they stopped them. I would have liked to have seen them, if I was a Chargers fan, would have liked to have seen them maybe run a play action on that first play. You know, Herbert can move. That's another, uh, you know, underrated part of his game that I think people are hopefully going to be talking about this week is he's got a little Mahomes in him, you know, in in terms of he can roll out, he can make a play, he can run for a first down, and it it really – is something that she should have been prepared for because they were, they were going to have to go up against Taylor, but they'll get a full dose of that next week. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the blocking up front. Uh, you know, Verum, the note that you sent me, you know, before we started the podcast today, Mitchell Schwartz got worked. That is not something Chiefs fans are used to hearing. I think he's given up a sack to two, two games in a row now. Uh, has that ever happened yeah. in, in Mitch's career? I believe he gave up one sack or no sacks all of last year. So, I mean, that, that just, no, look, before anybody takes it out of context here, Mitchell Schwartz is a great player, which is why it's noteworthy that he got beat. That it, it doesn't happen with him. In fact, right. Joey Bosa has never had a sack against the Chiefs until today. So, it goes to show how great he is. But it's just one of those games. He didn't, he didn't play well. I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you that. He got beat. And look, the Chiefs put him in hard positions too. They don't ever give him help. They don't slide protections his way. They don't chip on his guy because they know he's so dominant that they don't have to worry about it. They really they rely on him to pretty much win one-on-ones all the time. And if they've got a chip, they'll do it on Fisher's side. In this game, Fisher wasn't great either. I know we'll get to him in a second. But Schwartz got beat up a little bit. Now, look, if you want to look at a glass half full, I'm going to go ahead and guess he's going to play a real good game next week because a guy like that with that amount of pride and that amount of talent, he's going to be pretty pissed off. And I'm going to guess – I'll say this, Schwartz and the whole team, really, 
in some ways, the way they won today was the best thing that could have happened to them because they won, but they're going to get screened at all week. They looked like crap. They weren't good offensively. They weren't good defensively. They weren't good up front on either side of the ball. And you know what? If they were playing the Jets next week, I don't think it would really be taken to heart. They know if they play like that next week on Monday night football, they're going to lose. So They're not just going to lose. They're going to get blown out. Yeah, they'll get killed. So I would expect that the Chiefs are going to hear it all week long, and they're going to know, yeah, you know what? Coach is right. We got to play better because we're playing the only team in the AFC that can really give us a problem. So we're going to have to get out there and try to take it from them. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a game next week. I'm uh, I'm I, I I don't know if I would say I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little scared. I think based off the performance they they put out there today, but it was it was a tale of two of two games for the Chiefs. They came out very methodically against the Texans. They looked sharp. They weren't making mistakes. And look, there's sloppy play all over the NFL. Uh, week one was weird. Everything that you saw in week one, you could throw a lot of that out the window this week yep. with some of the other, how the other games played out. Uh, so, you know, including the chargers who, you know, uh, struggled with the Bengals last week and then looked, you know, very formidable. Obviously the big, you know, big change there is, is on offense, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, very good for the chiefs to have this struggle early in the season to get ready for this game. Because I mean, if let's be honest here, this number one seed, now that there is only one in AFC is hugely important. And it's hugely important for Kansas City to not have to go to Baltimore yes. and to be hosting the AFC Championship game, hopefully. So Eric Fisher, shaky as usual, uh, just a couple times, didn't get his hands on his guy, got smoked. What's, what's your feeling on, on him? I know, uh, I know last year I said I would never say anything bad about Eric Fisher again because when he was out, my God, they were terrible. Couldn't block. Uh, is it just good. a tough match? Just a tough matchup for him, you know. I mean, we know that he can get overwhelmed, right? He's 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 a he's a very good player. He's not the best player. If he goes up against a guy who's better than him, he's gonna have some problems. It's gonna be a little bit of a struggle. You know, are you ready for the Chiefs to start looking for a replacement? I think they already have him. Uh, I think when they drafted Lucas Niang in the third round out of TCU, look, I I know from talking to people in the organization, they love Niang. They thought he was worth a, a second round pick. So they were thrilled to get him in the third, and he comes off the hip injury last year in the Big, in the big 12. Uh, he did not allow a sack. And both Chase Young and Nick Bosa, when asked who the hardest guy they went against in college was, Lucas Nyang was the answer. So uh, I, I know the Chiefs are incredibly high on, on Nyang. He opted out because of COVID. He was not probably going to play this year anyway. Maybe a swing tackle, but he was coming off the hip injury. Um, but – Look, Fisher's got an $11.5 million hit that they can recoup next year if they cut him. I think that's a real conversation, especially depending on where the cap is. If that cap drops to 175, 180, Fisher's a guy who either is getting restructured or is getting released. So, and that's not to say Fisher's not a good player. He is a good player, but he's, he's making a lot of money. He's about to be on the wrong side of 30. They like Niang a lot. Um, you know, we'll see what they do. They, they've been big on keeping their own, but yes. Uh, Fisher is a good player, not a great player. And at times, he can be taken apart by better passers. We saw it in the Super Bowl. I mean, they won the game, but my God, Nick Bosa was basically in Patrick Mahomes' uniform most of that afternoon. So, yeah, yeah, he sure was. Yeah, Fisher's a good player, but yeah, certainly one that his situation is, is worth monitoring going forward. 
Are you concerned about the just the sort of the construction of the line? Obviously, nobody's really worried about Mitch, but how strong do you think this offensive line is? They looked really good, at least uh, particularly run uh, blocking for the run last week against Houston. Houston shaky today. What do you think? I mean, how would you grade out this line? I think it's a good line. I think it's a BB plus line. They, look, they they played bad today. They play played bad, but the Chargers have a really good front. Like I'd argue, you're not going to see a better front than the Chargers this year. You really aren't. I mean, the, look, the Ravens have a good front, Judon and Campbell and whatnot. Those guys aren't Bosa. They're not England. They don't have an interior presence like Tillery. The, the Chargers have real guys. And everybody, everybody likes to make fun of the Chargers. They don't have fans. It's that. And the, other. the Chargers have real talent. I think the Chiefs have a very good offensive line. Like Houston couldn't even touch Mahomes in that game. So I don't worry about it. They've had the same line by and large for a while. I think Osemele is a really good pickup for them. Sometimes you just have bad days. They just had a bad day. But to their credit, in the fourth quarter, they did take some penalties, which killed them or almost killed them. Uh, but they stepped up in the fourth quarter. Now, part of that is maybe, you know, exhaustion on the Chargers' part. But I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine moving forward. Uh, and, and look, the Ravens will be another tough test. But then after that, they get the Pats. We don't have a pass rush. They get, they get Oakland or, or Vegas, as it may be. Doesn't have a pass rush. I, I, think, I think they'll be A-OK going forward. All right, and uh, I just want to take a, a quick break here to, to let you all know that obviously this is the Arrowhead Addict podcast, and that's the podcast for ArrowheadAddict.com. You need to check out ArrowheadAddict.com for all of your Chiefs news. Uh, Matt Connor, the editor over there, is, does a fantastic job. There's a great crew. Just giving you a, just a, a sample of what they've got coming tonight and what they'll have you know, tonight and by tomorrow morning. We're going to have a game recap. We're going to have an injury report. We're going to take a closer look at the hit on Sammy Watkins, which looked like it was not pleasant to endure. Uh, Lyle is going to have a column on how the Chiefs can't continue to win ugly. Uh, we're going to have a column on what we learned about the Chiefs. There's going to be game balls, MVP, LVP, etc. Uh, the insanity of Harrison Bucker, we'll be writing about that. There's going to be a rookie report card. So get all of your Chiefs news and analysis on arrowheadaddict.com. Do not miss a day over there. They just keep cranking it. All right, Vertoram. Let's move on to the defense. Your guy, Legereus Sneed, he gets another pick. You were the, you were the first on this. You reported this a, a month ago for fansided.com that the Chiefs absolutely love Sneed. Would you say he's living up to expectations so far? Yeah, he's been a, a lifesaver for them. Uh, with Breland being suspended and Ward being hurt, Hamilton, who they thought was going to be the third corner, gets hurt. I mean, they're really – they're taking on some water, right? But, but Fenton has played well. But Sneed, look, I, I talked to somebody – with the Chiefs who raved about Snead, uh, like you said, about three weeks ago and said, look, he's not only going to be active, he's going to play. He's going to play real snaps. We really think this kid can be an impact player from day one. And I think you see that. Uh, you know, He's a fourth-round pick coming out of Louisiana Tech. He played safety last year, two years prior to playing corner. And he's been, he's been fantastic. He's a, he's a big kid. He's got some length. He's sticky. Uh, great at athleticism. Can really open his hips and run. And to me, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, different moments in the game and maybe some that got lost. His pick changed the game. They're down 17-9 with a minute to go in the third quarter. The Chargers are driving. They're right on the periphery of field goal range. And Herbert really, to me, made the worst decision of his day. He threw the ball against his body across the middle of the field. And NFL coaches will tell you all day, every day, do not throw the ball late across the middle. That's what he did. And he made it even worse because he put air under it. And Sneed did a great job. How many times do you see a corner go off that ball and either miss it completely 
or it goes off their helmet or off their hand. There's a reason they're not receivers. He made a great catch. They, got, they were backed up at their own four-yard line, but then they come out and 96 yards later as a touchdown. But that pick changes the game. If he doesn't make that and charge, you can get a field goal. That game feels a lot different, 20-9. to nine, You're not moving the ball. He made a great play. And I'll tell you, look, Breland's going to get his spot back when he comes back. He's the best corner of the team. Ward certainly, when he's healthy, will play. Lajarius Needs not just going to get put back in mothballs. He's going to play. Yeah. And, I, and I think the, the kid's done a hell of a job. And the Chiefs, like I said, I mean, they wrote this a month ago on Stack in the Box. They were really high on him a month ago, and they're even higher on him now. Yeah, and it was not an easy interception. He had to go up and get it, came oh. down with it. And, 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 you know, really tragically for Herbert on that play, it was third down. He, the first down marker was right there. Easily could have ran for a first down, should have ran for a first down, could have gotten three or four yards past the marker and ran out of bounds. And, you know, I, you know, right before that happened, I was sitting there and I was thinking, ah, man, this sucks. But, like, I just had a feeling. I'm like, this guy's got to make a mistake at some point. Like, it's his first start. He's playing fantastic. He's the Chiefs just need that one mistake to happen. Some they need to pick, they need to turn over. And a couple plays later, he coughed it up. Uh, and we'll get to we'll get to Herbert in, in, in just a second. But yeah, Sneed is absolutely incredible. Really fired up. And this is what the Chiefs need to do, right? They need to find starters and good starters in the draft, in the middle rounds. They need to they need to hit on these guys because it's the only way they're going to be able to keep winning. Because everybody's getting expensive, they're developing stars. They're going to have to make some tough decisions and let some people go. But if they can't yep. draft, they're you know they're going to run into the same problem the Packers ran into, and they paid Aaron Rodgers, and all of a sudden they have no receivers. Right? It, it's so true. Uh, it's a great point, man. And I, I think look, they, as you mentioned, they're going to have to do that, and they're going to have to get guys in the second and third and fourth and fifth round. I mean that's. That's going to be their bread and butter. And Snead, like, let's say this pans out the way it's gone so far. He plays like this going forward. You have him for four years on a contract that costs nothing. Like that is that is exactly what you need when you're paying Mahomes forty plus million, and you're paying Kelsey, and you're paying Hill, and you're paying Clark and Jones, and Matthew, who's God knows probably going to get an extension, you know, in, in the short future. So those are the kind of things that you do. And you win quite a bit. Like they're always going to be good as long as Mahomes is upright and he's there and Andy's on the sideline. But they're going to be great if they can draft like this and give Brett Veach a lot of credit. They have done that. Like last year, they got Thornhill and Hardman, second round picks. They got Fenton in the fifth. By the way, another guy, I want to give him a shout out quick. Mike Dana looked pretty damn good in his own right. That's right. Had, had a sack, played the run nicely. Like Mike Dana, was, who, by the way, was another guy when I was having that conversation with, with someone with Kansas City about Sneed. Uh, was also brought up, and it was like, hey, you know, he's going to be active. Like, this kid, you know, he, he's at least going to be in the mix. Now, th- they were not, at least to me, as bullish on, on him as they were on Snead, but, hey, give him credit, man. He, he's come in, and he's played well, and that, that's a lot of pressure. You come in on the Chiefs. You know, you're not coming in on a team that's expected to win five games. You're coming in with expectations to win now. So, kudos to their draft class, which has really stepped up and played well. He's out of Michigan, right? He is. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 I hate to say that as, a, as an Ohio Ohio guy, but the play that he made this on the sack, where he, I mean, he great technique, knocks the fullback off his yes. route, which was was key because Herbert just panicked after that because he didn't know where to go. I still think he could have maybe gotten it out to the fullback, but it gave the the secondary time to close. And then he was just like, "Oh man, this big guy's moving towards me." Not something you want to see uh, if you're Justin Herbert. It no. was a very great play. Uh. All right, so 
Charvarius Ward. Now, good player, fractured hand. Yep. You're saying yeah, you were reporting uh, this week that he's. You, they think he'll be back soon. He'll be back for week three. They're they're hopeful. Uh, you know, look when he when he got hurt, reached out to a source who said it's not expected to be a long term injury. Now, that could be a couple weeks. A couple weeks obviously would would have him out for week three. But there's at least hope that that this is not going to be something where he's out for an extended period of time. And I think you see that by the fact they didn't put him on injured reserve, which would mean he's out a minimum of three weeks. They did that with Colin Saunders, who had the, had the elbow injury. Uh, they also didn't call up anybody from the practice squad to replace Ward. So they do believe really at this point, it's kind of a play by ear. Can he practice on Wednesday? How does he feel afterward? Uh, and they get the extra day too with Baltimore being on Monday night. So it's not set in stone. He might not be able to play, but there's at least some hope in the building that, you know, it, if it starts to trend the right way, it could move quickly because with the fractured hand, it, it really comes down to just not wanting to re-injure it and, and, and what kind of pain threshold does he have. So we'll see. Them winning today probably helps if they decide, okay, maybe one more week, but let's be real. This is a big game against the Ravens. Oh, yeah, massive game. Game of the year by far. Uh, and we'll talk, to, we'll talk a little bit about that, but probably mainly we'll hit that midweek as we preview that matchup uh all right and just before we kind of wrap things up on the game let's let's talk about the chargers really quickly um you know how impressive did you find justin herbert today i thought he was very solid um look some of his yardage is a little misleading in the sense that you know he he would throw like a swing pass to joshua kelly who ran 35 yards uninhibited because the chiefs just blew a coverage to the point where i could have got 15 yards now i would have been put in the cemetery when i was hit but i could have got 15 yards um, and, and they had the play at the end of the half that went for, you know, 30-some-odd yards. But that all said, I thought he played very well. I mean, this is a kid who had no first-team reps this week. Comes in, everybody's saying he's raw. I, th- I thought he showed a lot of moxie. That third and goal, four, you know, the 14-yard line, yes, Fenton probably could have played the technique better, but it's still a nice throw. He still identified uh, the open receiver and Guyton in the corner. And I thought the most impressive throw of the game, the middle of the third quarter, She's brought an all-out blitz on third down, and they, they hammered him. And he made a gorgeous throw down the middle of the field to Keenan Allen, put it right on him. I, I was impressed. I thought Herbert played really well. I got to see him at the Senior Bowl. I liked what I saw there. I wrote a couple notebooks for us back in January, talked to some scouts, talked to some, some executives in the front offices. And the, the, the question really about him was, A, he's a quiet guy. How does that leadership translate, which you may, may or may not roll your eyes at, but in the NFL, that still matters. And then also, how does he play under pressure? Because there was a concern that at Oregon, if he got under pressure, sometimes his mechanics got sloppy, he might make mistakes. He played well. I don't, I'll put it this way. I don't think if the Chargers, you could ask for any more in his first start. And, and he, he, he was not the reason they lost that game. They lost that game because their defense got tired. And frankly, they, they really stopped running the ball effectively as the game went on. Did you say that's it for Tyrod Taylor as the starter in Los Angeles? I would. I mean, Anthony Lynn won't. Anthony Lynn says when Tyrod's healthy, they're going back to him. I, I call bull. I don't see there any – I mean, look, all 19 Charger fans are going to have a, 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 a picket fence out, out in front of the stadium chanting for Herbert. I, how do you go back to him? I mean, what did Taylor show you against the Bengals, who are horrendous, that, that he ought to start moving forward? Like, yeah. Let's be real. You're the Chargers. Maybe you compete for a wild card spot. You're not competing for the Super Bowl. Play him. Play the kid. I, I don't. I don't see the reason why you wouldn't. But at this point, the head coach is saying that it's Taylor's job when he's healthy. So we'll see. We'll see if that's just a little gamesmanship or if he really feels that way. But I, I think Herbert starts going forward. 
He should. They're absolutely great. I mean, look, Tyrod Taylor's, you know, he's a fine player, good guy. I hate to see him lose his job because I don't, I'm not sure what happened. They said it was a chest, chest injury and warm up. He had a rib really injury strange. during the, he had a rib injury during the week. And you wonder maybe he just pulled a muscle, pulled some cartilage or something. It's odd. You don't really ever see that in a, in a pregame warm up. Guys aren't really airing it out, but it is what it is. Uh, we'll see. But I would, I would think that. Justin Herbert's going to be climbing 311 passing yards. He, you know, he threw the one pick, yes, but he played well. I, I really, I thought he did a nice job. All right. Well, let's move on to some fan questions. Uh, Arrowhead Addict has a ton of followers on Twitter. Some of them hit us up. Uh, this first one comes from uh, Nate Taylor at Taylor. It's at Taylor T A. Y L O N R. Uh, Nate asks. Uh, what hope does Kansas City have for the linebacking court? Well, they drafted Willie Gay in the second round. And while they love his athleticism and his upside, he's raw right now. He didn't play a lot in college. He was a, he was a kid who really had a limited amount of snaps. He had some injuries. He, he had, a, uh, he had a, an academic issue. So he didn't get to see the field a ton. And you saw his impact actually on special teams. He, he got a hand on a punt and, and partially blocked the punt. But, Nate, my answer to you is I think you're going to see more of what you've been seeing, and that is going to be – that is the weak spot on their defense. Hitchens can play in certain situations uh, well, but you know, Damian Wilson, to me, is, is kind of a jack-of-all-trades master, an un-guy. Ben Neiman, you know, he's, he's not going to be a guy you want to see in coverage a lot, but with the Chiefs, he's going to be. I would expect that Gay, the second half of the year, is going to see more time. As he becomes more acclimated to the to the defense and to Spagnuolo's scheme, I think he'll see it. But keep in mind, th- that is a hard scheme to learn. I mean, they as a defense, really, it took them a good solid two-thirds of the year last season before they got rolling. It's a lot. It's complex. It's multiple. They ask a ton of their, of their linebackers. So I think they will struggle at that level. Um, and also, hey, maybe Veach swings a trade midseason. He has not been shy about doing that in the past. They they had a trade for Old Tom's a couple of years ago that fell through when he broke his leg. But it wouldn't be shocking to me at all if the Chiefs try to you know make a move for a guy midseason. Well, I know one of the reasons they, they liked Gay was because of his, his athleticism, his yep. ability to go sideline to sideline. Do you think we could see him in some maybe some sub packages against Baltimore to try to you know get somebody on the field that can? can move and, and try to shut down that running game a little bit? It's a good thought. It's a good thought because, look, that is a team you want as much speed on the field as humanly possible. That is a team that can get up the field and, and can beat you a, a multitude of ways. But you're right. Like Gay is a guy that they love because of his ability to run and to cover. So we'll see. Um, I also think, too, part of this is the Chiefs dropped Matthew down to the box a lot last year as the year wore on. They have had a hard time doing that right now because they've had to use him at corner at times because they're so banged up. I wouldn't judge the Chiefs' defense until you get Breland back, get Ward back. Now, look, every team has injuries, but when you're missing your first two corners on the depth chart, that's a lot. I mean, you got to start rotating guys all over the place. You're going to blow some coverages. His greatest need has been, and Fenton has been this you know early portion of his second year. These are young guys. You know, you're, you're just you're asking a lot. Thornhill's still coming back from the ACL. Like it's, I think they'll be fine defensively. And look, as bad as they were today, they have 20 points. Like if they give up 20 points, they're going to win. So as you know, it was a struggle, but they they did make enough plays to find a way to win the game. 
Yeah, and, and speaking of the secondary, we got two questions here. I'm going to read them both because they're they're pretty uh, you know pretty pretty much connected. William Barry asks, he's at at William Barry eighty eight. Will the and that's Barry like Eric Barry. Will the shortage of corners and lack of experience with the shortage of, of corners and lack of experience? Will Veach be looking to add somebody at the position this week? And then Brian Foss asked, uh, that's at Brian underscore Foss. Quarterbacks getting pretty thin, and and I saw this from a few people on Twitter. Prince of Mukamara. Well, I'll say this. The Chiefs and Brett Veach have a long history of going after guys who have first-round pedigrees. And Prince of Mukamara was drafted in the first round way back when. Now, obviously, they've had a chance to sign him and claim him as of the other teams in the league. Nobody's done it. He's an up-and-down player. He's inconsistent. He does have nice highs. He also has some bad lows. Um, I, I think they're going to have to add somebody, whether it be from the practice squad or from the outside, if, if Hamilton's groin injury is, is significant. He pulled up on that, on that I believe it was punt coverage. Um, if, if Ward's not back, then, yeah, they're going to have to do something. Now, is, is that a Mukamara? You could do worse. Um, it's interesting this week at the Ravens, though, because the Ravens are not a team that typically are that worried about throwing deep on you. They have Marquise Brown, sure, but – you're more worried about them running the football, but yes, to answer both the questions, I think Amukamara is an option. I also think that realistically, they're going to have to do something uh, at the corner spot if, if Ward's not back, because at some juncture here, you can't have Matthew always in the slot and moving guys around. I mean, you're, you're going to blow coverages. Guys are just too overwhelmed and overloaded. So hopefully Ward's back. Uh, if not, yeah, I expect to see some movement in the roster this week. Never hurts to have a veteran around, especially when you got some young guys. Unless it's uh, Orlando Scanner. Then it <laughs> yes, yeah, no, please, God, no. You think? So uh, just keep in mind, by the way, you know, like <clears throat> when people are always like, "Oh, you know what? So and so's out there. He's in there." I'm not saying that's the case with Prince Mukamara, but like I remember when the Chiefs signed Stanford route. Oh man! And, and it was just an abomination. And who is the guy? Oh, David Amerson. He, he, he couldn't even get out of camp. Yeah. Like, so sometimes, you know, you're better off playing the young kid who's still got some legs than bringing in the old guy and it's like, oh, yeah, look at that. He can't run. And they, they, look, you can make up for a lot of things in football as a corner. If you can't run, there's no making up for that. Yeah, yeah. It, the ghost of Darrell Revis. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, speaking of, of really bad uh, former Chiefs players, since we're talking about Skandrick, I, th- I think, you know, we're going to develop some segments for this show. We got one coming up a little bit later here, but I, th- I, th- I think I'd like to do a, uh, a shabby, savvy Piscatelli award, like a, oh a memorial God. award for like go to the game or just like, you know, most boneheaded play. Cause that guy, he's, he's right up there in my Chiefs, bad Chiefs players hall of fame with Damian Sackintosh. Do you remember that guy? It was like a uh, turn yes. style. Yeah, he's a human oh road my car. God. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I actually wrote I, I wrote articles on Arrowhead Attic that like I would just do whole articles ser- dead serious about like okay you know you got to you got to start a player at tackle Damian McIntosh a road cone or a pile of dog poop and I was like you know yeah like McIntosh yeah cause somebody could slip <laughs> on that poop or that like somebody might get dumb might get really confused by the road cone I mean um, that you know I am really glad obviously that the Chiefs are good. But when I covered things on Arrowhead Attic, for the most part, other than the, the 10 and 6 season under Todd Haley, it was a miracle. Uh, they were terrible. And it was fun to write about how bad they were. Uh, just because, just you know, because there were guys that were just in no business being even in the NFL. 
uh, and you could just hammer these guys. Uh, <laughs> I, I used to have this big campaign. I used to write over at Arrowhead Pride as well, over at SB Nation. Uh, Turtle. I, I threw him into my Chiefs training camp report at wide receiver because it was like Sammy Park. When Sammy Parker's your your best receiver, you got a problem. I don't want to talk about Sammy. Let's move on. Let's move on. It's, it's let's move on. Okay. Yeah, it's a good point. It's I good can't point. talk we're, about Sammy Parker. We're good at people are having, uh, you know, bad flashbacks. People just drove off the road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Uh, Spider-Woman69, uh, at Spider-Woman69 on Twitter. She and I have been following each other. I'm sure she follows you too, Matt. Yep. Big time I Chiefs fan. For She's sure. great. I think she's been following me for 10 years now. God bless her. Uh, don't know how she's made it this long. Uh, she says, why didn't they run more? Why, did, why didn't they keep running when it was working? And, and just to, to provide some color to that, CEH uh, had uh, only four carries in the first half. But the Chiefs were averaging a pretty good clip when they did run the ball. Was it, was it mismanagement on, on Andy's part, or was it just was it how the game flow went? Spider-Woman, I am with you 100%. I, I commented in real time about that uh, to the old man. I, I don't know why they didn't run the ball more. When you're getting a pass rush like that in your face, you, I mean, at some point, right, like try to slow it down. Do something. Run a, run a toss play. Run a toss crack. Run, you know, run a draw. I'm not saying it even would have worked, but try something. Try anything to get them to have to respect the run. And I thought that was part of the problem. The Chiefs never ran the ball. So if you're the Chargers, what do you care? You know, I mean, the Chiefs gave 14 carries to their running backs, 10 to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 4 to Thurman Thompson. And listen, it's a small sample size. Thompson had 21 yards on four carries. It's not a terrible – give him the ball a little bit more. And then Edwards-Alaire had 17 yards on the first carry. After that, nine carries, 21 yards. Like, why not just give him the ball? He clearly showed that he's, he's got the ability to break some tackles, make some moves, control the clock a little bit. I thought it was a mistake, and look, we've seen this. Andy's a Hall of Fame head coach, but we have seen this sometimes where when he gets away from the running game early, they never get back to it. They, they, they almost become this team where they feel like an arena league team. You know, they, they did the shotgun, and heh, it's hard to, to bash Andy for saying, hey, Patrick, why don't you throw it and see what happens? Like, usually good things happen, but because of the rush, I, I am in total agreement. I thought they should have run the ball more, especially because they, they were never really – down by a major amount I, I thought you know they, they, it wasn't like they were down two touchdowns so I was surprised by that I thought they I thought they missed an opportunity to run the ball a little more try to slow them down somewhat all right and uh last fan question for, for with a really terrific twitter handle great Hilarious. googly moogly and that's uh gr with an eight t googly moogly when are chiefs and you and as you and I both know Whenever the game's not going well for the Chiefs, Chiefs Kingdom handles it very well, very maturely on Twitter. Nobody, nobody panics. Nobody gets upset. Um, so you know, this it seems to be in a response to to to, to the to that uh, element of the fan base. When are KC fans going to calm down and realize that, given the lack of offseason, preseason, and injuries, that there are going to be some weird, ugly things that happen? Never, because, <laughs> because it's it's the nature of fans. It's and every fan base. Look. I cover the league for a living. I mean, we, we both work in the industry, and, and I, I cover all 32 teams. I, I deal with all 32 teams, and yet I am still a Chiefs fan. I've never hid that. It's, it's who I am. And during the Chiefs games, I still get irrationally annoyed with them. You know, <laughs> every bit of me still gets, you know, some holding penalties sends me off the, the edge. Um, the, the thing that happens is when people, like you were talking about, Patrick, when people react in real time, it's never going to be rational. Ever. 
Nope. You just have too much emotion. And you know, look, we're at the early part of the year too, where there's not a lot of like built up goodwill from this specific season. So there's always like, I, I mean, look, they won the Super Bowl last year. So there is a base of, okay, we can pull this one out. But, you know, you see a certain player struggle for a game and a quarter. You see a, a position group struggle for two games. And it's just automatically assumed that they're, they're terrible. And they're going to struggle infinitely. And it's over. Like, look around the league today, right? Like, the Colts lost to Jacksonville and then beat the piss out of Minnesota. Like, it's just <laughs> – it happens. It's so early in the year, right? Like, I can give you a few concrete conclusions right now. The Jets are awful. Yeah. The Chiefs and the Ravens are the two best teams in the AFC. And the NFC East is going to be won by a team that goes 9-7 and seven or worse. That's pretty much all I've got. Like, everything else – is up for, like I think the Packers look great. The Packers would it would it shock me if they got blown out in the Superdome next weekend? No, like it's just it's early. Just let it all play out. I thought like, if you're a Chiefs fan, <laughs> be happy. They won the game. Doesn't look like there's any major injuries. We'll see with Watkins, but it doesn't look like any season ending. Like just be thankful. You won a game on the road. You get to go home. You get a week to practice. Get an extra day off. Move on from there. Yeah, and look, it, it can't be stated enough. The Chargers, when they get that is a good that is a good team. It's a strong defense. Thank God they didn't have Derwin James. I feel terrible for him. I'm not celebrating his injury, but no, I mean for sure, that defense. If they had him back there with with Bosa up front, is excellent. Allen, criminally underrated all the time. Incredible yep. receiver. Uh, Eckler is great. So you know they've got a lot of weapons over there. They've done a nice job. Good head coach. So, you know, they're going to be – you're wondering who's going to emerge. If, if, if Herbert continues to play like this and, and develops, I think it's going to be uh, – I keep wanting to call him San Diego. It's going to be L.A. It's going to be the Chargers that, that give Chiefs, the Chiefs a run for their money uh, each year. Never an easy game against those guys. No. <clears throat> All right, so let's, let's move on to a segment that I used to do on Arrowhead Attic when I was writing over there. It's called Earning Their Arrowheads. I got a handful of names down here where we can talk about – Feel free, feel free to throw anybody else in there. Obviously, I'm going to start off. Legereus Sneed, uh, just fantastic two-week stretch for him to start his career. Another interception in a key moment. Very exciting. Probably should have led with Harrison Bucker, but I didn't feel like rearranging the order. Uh, absolutely incredible. Clear MVP of the game. Really, he's got to be on the short list for MVP of the league right now. That's my stance. I'm sticking to it. Absolutely cold-blooded. What a killer. Uh, someone we haven't really talked about today, but... The, the reason the Chiefs were still in the game and were able to move the ball early, Travis Kelsey, who still has yet to have a 100-yard game against the Chargers, unfortunately, but he finished uh, with nine receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he was there for Mahomes when none of the receivers were catching the ball early in the, in the, in the game. Uh, it was a really solid performance by Kelsey that probably a lot of people won't be talking about tomorrow, uh, but he helped him move the chains. And uh, Chris Jones, uh, again, no sacks. But he was there, forced up the middle, causing pressure the whole game. Uh, another great performance by him. Didn't bat any balls, I don't think. And then he was on my he was on my goat list for a little while there. But of course, we we got to mention Patrick Mahomes, uh, the man's a magician. I don't know how he does it, but he always finds a way, or almost always finds a way. He shouldn't be surprised at this point that he can be held down for three quarters, three and a half quarters, and he's gonna hit that big pass. He's gonna find a way to do it. And don't forget what he can do with his legs. So I, those those are my guys who earn their arrowheads. Who did I miss for it, Ram? I'll just add two quick names. We talked about one. Mike Dana, I, I would say, 
really played a hell of a game. Yeah, he did. He did a nice job. He played the run real well. Had the sack. I, I thought he was excellent. And then I would add Tyreek Hill, ninety-nine yards and a touchdown. And yeah. he he had nothing going in the first half. They were trying everything they could to take him away, and he he just overcame it. I'll also say this a real quick shot. I'm not saying that maybe they earned their arrowheads, but they they certainly deserve praise. At the end of the game, the Chiefs had to kick three field goals to win that game. And obviously, again, the, you had the penalty. Okay, but if they missed that field goal there, the Chargers just decline it and get the ball. And then, of course, they, you know, the timeout, and they actually hit the real one. James Winchester and, and Tommy Townsend. Yeah. Three great snaps and three great holes. And people overlook that stuff all the time until it doesn't go right. They, I mean, Winchester, on all three of those snaps, those things were lasers right back to Townsend. They were perfect snaps. And on a field goal that long, anything goes wrong, that kick's a disaster. Could get blocked, could be run back. They did a great job. So I just want to throw out their two names because they, they deserve some praise for really you know, doing what is a job that's usually thankless. Yeah, Tommy did a nice job. He had a couple punts inside the 20, big leg. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch him develop uh, as the season goes on here. Okay, so the arrowheads have been given out. Uh, let's just check in real quick on the AFC West standings. Uh, the Chiefs 2-0. Raiders are 1-0. They're playing tomorrow night. Chargers dropped one on one. Broncos are zero and two. Any surprises so far for you, Verderam? Uh I mean, look a little bit in the sense of the Broncos being zero and two. I, you know, I, I thought, uh, I, I thought that they would be a team that maybe cracked the wild card spot. And it's early, but they got a rough stretch ahead, man. And you look at their schedule; they're zero and two now. They got the the Buccaneers with Tampa Brady there coming in. Uh, <laughs> that could easily be on three. Who knows how long Drew Locke's going to be out for? No offense to Jeff Driscoll. I don't. I'm not taking Jeff Driscoll over Tom Brady ever. So no, no. he actually played okay, though. He uh, did. Kept he him really in against did. the Steelers. Look, I'm not going to say that I was intently watching the Broncos Steelers game when Driscoll was driving them down, but I wasn't not watching it intently. I was. I could not believe Jeff. I thought Jeff Driscoll was going to win that game, but then then he turned it to Jeff Driscoll and took a brutal sack. Um, I thought the Broncos would be a little bit better, and they're not. And look, they've had some injuries too. I mean, Von Miller's out already. Now lock. I mean, part of that is, is just it, they're hurt. But Owen two Brady coming in. You still got two games against the Chiefs, two games against the Chargers. It's, it's, it's going to be a tough road ahead. Yeah, I'll say I was watching that drive as well, and I, it feels a little dirty to say this, but I was actually kind of rooting for the Broncos just because I wanted the Steelers to lose because I'm not concerned in any way about the Broncos getting in the Chiefs' way or, or mucking things up. So it would have been good to, to, to see the Steelers lose to a team that they had no business losing to. But didn't work out, uh, but we'll get to the Steelers in just a second here. Um, actually, let's, let's get to them right now. Uh, <laughs> AFC contenders and pretenders uh, next on our list here before we wrap things up. So I got four teams I'm going to give you, Vertoram. Uh, the Steelers, the Titans, and the Ravens. Steelers, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Bills are all 2-0. and Of course, so are the Chiefs. Uh, Patriots are playing right now. Raiders play tomorrow. But Patriots are uh, tied 14-14 with the Seahawks as we speak at the half. Steelers, Titans, Ravens, Bills. Which of those teams are contenders, Verderam? Which are pretenders? I think the, the best two teams are Kansas City and Baltimore, but I think Pittsburgh is really good. Uh, I think Pittsburgh good enough on their best day to give either one of those teams a problem and potentially upset them. Like Tennessee and, and Buffalo, the question is just the quarterbacks. Now, both have played well to this point. Look, I'm sorry. Josh Allen with Buffalo, you, you got to prove it to me, man. You got to you got to win some big games, and I know that's maybe unfair, 
like you beat the Dolphins and the Jets. I need to see a little bit more. They play the Rams this week. That's more of a test. I'm curious to see how he plays in that game. I think the Titans are a contender from the standpoint. I think they're the best team in the AFC South. I think you know they're they're a tough team, but I don't think they're at the level. I know they upset Baltimore this year in the playoffs. I don't think they're consistently on the same level as Kansas City, Baltimore, and then to a lesser degree, Pittsburgh. So my tiers, Chiefs, then it's the half step down, Baltimore, half step down, Pittsburgh. All right. Tough on Josh Allen. I know you were critical of him when he was drafted. He was 24-35 for 417 yards, four touchdowns. He played great. Excellent today. Very accurate. Um, he, 147 he rating. Great. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and, he, and, of course, he can get it done with his legs, uh, but only ran it four times for 18 yards. So uh, yeah, a lot of young, interesting quarterback prospects coming into the league. Uh, it's going to be an interesting few years here. All right. And uh, we're going to wrap things up, everybody. Um, listen, if you like what you heard tonight, you can subscribe to the Arrowhead Podcast, Arrowhead Addict Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. We're on Amazon Music. We're everywhere you get your podcasts. Stitcher some other weird platforms that I've never heard of, but they're out there. We're on them. Uh, <laughs> uh, and again, please give us a review. Uh, if you can give us a five star and a written review and Apple podcast, it really helps. It's going to help us bring more of this podcast to you do bigger and better things. And we got a lot planned. We're going to have, we're going to start having guests on. Uh, we're going to get some NFL insiders in here. We're going to get some experts on the chiefs, future opponents. Uh, we're going to leverage all of Erdogan's connections in the league. It's going to be great. Bertram, obviously our, our Chiefs reporter and our, our NFL reporter, always has interesting tidbits. Make sure to listen to Stacking the Box as well. That's Fansided's NFL podcast, which Matt also hosts. Uh, fantastic if you're just looking to get a great overview of what's going on in the league and get some inside information about what's happening with other teams. You can follow us on Twitter, at Matt Verderam, at R. Patrick Allen. And make sure you follow at Matt Connor AA the lead expert over at Arrowhead Attic. He runs things over there, does an absolutely tremendous job. And of course, follow at Arrowhead Attic. Uh, great game, exciting, frustrating. The Chiefs win. We're going to see you guys midweek. We're going we're gonna to wrap up any injury news, wrap up, put a bow on, uh, on this game and, and look ahead to the big matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. For Matt Verderam, I'm Patrick Allen. We'll see you guys next time. And as always, go Chiefs. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.